This podcast is brought to you by the Eisner-nominated Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. Hacha! Happy third birthday, two-headed nerd. You know, by age three, most kids know about 500 words, can answer simple questions, and speak in complete sentences. I bet if you guys work really hard, you can do those things too. Love you. This is Andrea Shockling from Comics Therapy, and you're listening to the Two-Headed Nerd with Joe and Matt. Third birthday edition. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat Deep within a cavern under Omaha, Nebraska, it is my pleasure to welcome you to the Giant Size third anniversary episode number 150 of THN. We're talking comics, nerd news, birthday wishes, and valentines for the week of Wednesday, February 12th. My name is Matt Baum. You can find me on the Twitter under the handle at Matt Baumstein. When I'm not pretending not to know the amazing spider Brad in public, I'm writing the comic speculator blog, wordpoint.com. I was standing right in front of the dude. Didn't know it was him. Now, to be fair, he didn't know it was me. Right. Okay. And it's not like you see him three times a week like I do. It's true. I'm Joe Patrick. You can find me at JoePatrick116 in the Twitterverse. And when I'm not getting replaced as the penciler on the untold tales of the two-headed nerd, penciler, you weren't- I am doing all the work. Oh, please. I wrote it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's what yeah. you asked me to do. Right. You want me to draw it? I'm terrible. <laughs> okay? I'll have Frank- you know that I drew the first page already. Frank Miller draws better than me with his feet, sir. Jeez. Oh, I'm also the manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. And I am the artist and co-creator of the upcoming hit webcomic series, The Untold Tales of the Two-Headed Nerd. For now. Whether Matt likes it or not. In this week's episode, you'll hear our reviews of She-Hulk, number one, and Turok, Dinosaur Hunter, number one. After that, will you... 14 more of this and last week's new comics, faster than the entire U.S. men's downhill skiing team, can take a sh- in Sochi during the exercise ludicrous speed round. Then we'll retire the T10 Sanctum Sanctorum, where a sexy nurse will be rubbing stinky salves onto our naked bodies while we discuss what we're excited to read next week. And then, not only will we be making up for last week by playing another rousing round of Ask a Nerd, but we'll finish out with a visit from those cash money grubbing nerd gangsters, the comic pushers. But before we blow out all three of these candles, let's take a moment. To fill this massive pile of Thundercats Valentines from Joe and I to all of you sexy listeners out there. And then we'll talk about this week's big Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Our top story features plot details from this week's all-new X-Men 23. You have been warned. If you don't want to hear it, smash your computer now. (laughs) This week, Marvel Comics issued a surprise announcement that Cyclops will star in an all-new ongoing series beginning in May. The series will feature the time-traveling younger version of the character who will leave Earth and the X-Men to join the Starjammers, a group of intergalactic space pirates led by his long-dead father, Corsair. My favorite group of intergalactic space pirates. That's right. Corsair made his return in the pages of this week's all-new X-Men 23, and an explanation for his sudden reappearance is probably forthcoming. Time travel. Not everything's time travel. Everything in X-Men is. <laughs> now, speaking of returns, the Cyclops series will be written by Lazarus writer Greg Rucka, who will make his return to Marvel after a brief absence. Superbia artist Russell Dowderman... He's good. Yeah. ...will handle art duties for the series. In Marvel's press release, editor Tom Brennan said, quote... Corsair and Cyclops are both in a bold new world. A man back from the dead and a teen out of time. They need each other now, and the universe needs them more than ever. Matt, as the Ziggurat's number one Corsair fan... That's me. What do you think? I love Corsair. And I kind of like young time-traveling Scott, too. I think Greg Rucka is not the first name that would have popped into my head to write a series like this. Just... Because he does so much stuff with heroines, with female characters. Sure, right. But I think he's a great choice to write it, and I think this could be a whole lot of fun. And I thought Corsair's death was stupid. We just talked about it last week in our answer of the week when we talked about- Killed by Vulcan. Yeah, we talked about how bad Vulcan sucked. Mm. Or I may have cut that part. I don't recall. No, no, we talked about Vulcan. Okay, we did talk about it. Okay. And I'm glad he's back. I'm glad the Star Jammers are back. I'm glad that uh, Final Fantasy dude with the giant sword isn't leading them anymore. Corvus? Yeah. God, he sucked too. Man. I want Chode, Ch- <laughs> Sikorsky, Hepzibah. I want them all back. That's Raza. 
Oh, yeah, I forgot about Raza. He's got metal knife hands. Yeah, man. Rucka, in an interview, said that it was kind of pitched to him as like this father-son story, and Rucka has a teenage son about Cyclops' age. I love it. Does he shoot lasers out of his eyes, too? <laughs> yeah, I think he might. <laughs> and so, you know, he... I could totally relate to this, because my kid shoots lasers out of his eyes. <laughs> But like as a father, though he is known for his female characters, as a father he was into the idea, and so I think that he's going to bring something really great to this. I love it. Last week, DC confirmed the long-held rumor that legendary Marvel Comics artist John Romita Jr. would be jumping ship to become the new regular artist of the unrecognizable Superman this summer. <laughs> Joining him on the title is... I added the unrecognizable part. Oh, Joining him you. on the title is none other than writer and DC Comics chief creative officer... Jeff Johns. Johns and Ramita will take over for departing creators Scott Lobdell and Kenneth Rocafort. Boo-hoo. In an interview with IGN, Johns describes his approach to the series with the tagline, putting the man of tomorrow back in the man of tomorrow. Sure. Sounds a little gay. <laughs> Adding, quote, we'll learn some things about Superman that you've never known before. One in particular that is going to be redefining him in a way that we've never seen. Hooray. Joe, everyone. That's just what I want is people redefining Superman. Yeah, well, he hasn't been redefined for a long time. I right. mean, it's At been least. two years, right. Joe. <laughs> Does the new creative team get you excited to read Superman again? Well, I mean, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't interested. I like John Romita Jr. I know he's kind of a divisive artist. We're all going to check this out. Let's not lie. Without speaking too poorly of the creators currently working on the book, they are, I'm sure, doing their best. I don't care for it. For me, any change is a welcome one. Agreed. So I won't even, I'm not going to get into the whole Superman tirade. We've done it before. Am I excited? Not Maybe not necessarily excited. Am I interested? Yes. I, I did want to add that Jeff Johns, at least for me, does not have that same punch he did maybe several years ago. I agree. And so his name for me is not like a definite... Yeah, I agree. ...winner. Uh, that's not to say that like Jeff Johns has completely lost it or whatever, but... No. I could tell you I don't... Give, I didn't give a crap about the JLA that he wrote recently. I didn't I, care at all. I, get, I, I read it in six-month chunks. I just ignore it yeah. for six months at the time and then go, oh, I should probably read that. Yeah, and the Superman there doesn't make me feel any more, you know, right. I don't think he is any more Supermanish, if you will. Sure, sure. Now, I got to say, the thing that interests me the most about this is John Romita Jr. And yeah, we, huge news. Mm -hmm. like, the only time That's he's gigantic. ever... The only time he's ever done work outside of Marvel... He did a creator-owned book with image, Shitty. gray area. <laughs> it was not good. It wasn't. <laughs> I didn't love it. Uh, and then he did the Batman Punisher crossover in the yes. 90s. They did two. His had... They did Punisher Batman and Batman Punisher. Well, his had the real Batman. There was another one that had Asriel right. <laughs> as Batman. <laughs> now, I, that's where I was going with this. The only DC character that I think I've ever seen him draw is Batman. Right, like, and maybe he uh, outside of sketchbooks and and you know just fun little sure. pictures and stuff. But this is a big deal for him to be leaving his home for thirty plus years. Well, regardless of the big deal, what do you think his Superman looks like? I mean, can you picture John Romita Jr. Superman in your head? He's drawn every character in the Marvel universe, so we know what they look like. Sure, I mean, they did release a a teaser image. Yeah, I saw and it. And it's it's the new Fifty Two Superman. Yeah, it's hard to get. It's a good drawing. It's a it's a John Romita, it's a good John Romita Jr. drawing. So of I don't the know. New Fifty Two Superman. Uh, for for me, I, for me, separating my feelings about this version of Superman aside, I I like John Romita Jr. as an artist. This is big news. At the very least, we will be watching it very intently. Let's call ourselves cautiously optimistic. Fair. All right. All right. Finally, Image Comics has announced an unusual crossover between Tim Seeley and Mike Norton's revival and John Lehman and Rob Guillory's Chew. This is what happens when you let creators get drunk together <laughs> at conventions. Coming this May in the form of a $4.99 one-shot, Chew Revival number one will find Chibopath Tony Chew heading into rural Wisconsin where the dead don't stay at rest and the living do their best to cope. I didn't write that. From the Image press release, Chew writer John Lehman said, quote, 
in my head, I've got a checklist of all my favorite books I want you to cross over with, if for no other reason than it gives me an opportunity to visit a world that isn't mine that I'd nonetheless like to play in. Revival is at the top of the list, and I'm stoked I've got the opportunity to send Tony Chu to visit. It's a fun opportunity to check out both books for less than a single issue of each. That is a good point. That is a good point. I didn't think of it like that. Revival writer Tim Seeley said, quote, I think we've figured out a great way to take advantage of the what the hell factor of crossing over two very different worlds that'll make for a great read, while Revival artist Mike Norton added, quote, it's just a matter of loosening up and having some fun. Now, Matt, these are two very different books we're talking about. What kind of story do you think we're going to get out of this crossover? That's what I'm worried about. And I'm worried about it. it, What's the tone? Is it going to be more revival or more chew? That's just it. And is one, is the tone of one going to step on the other? Because revival is not a funny book. No. Revival is hyper serious. It's depressing. It's scary. And chew is a Warner Brothers cartoon on crack. Kind of, yeah. You know? So, man, I don't know. I can't even picture Tony Chu drawn in the style of anything that goes on in the revival book, you know? <laughs> sure. I, I'm really curious about it, though. Yeah. I, and I think it would be fun. I'll say this. I am not super interested in a serious take on Tony Chu. I'm not either. But I think a funny comedy-style story where Tony Chu visits this revival town yeah, that's, that's funny. could be fun. And maybe that's where they're going to go with it. That seems the logical way to do it. And that doesn't mean that a serious Tony Chu couldn't be good. It's just, it doesn't... But then if you're like, ha ha, that was funny. I'm going to check out Revival. Oh. <laughs> well, sure, right? This isn't funny at all. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if maybe they'll do, they'll each, if each creative team will do a short story in each of their respective styles. Maybe. I'm, I'm curious. I'm into it. And I'm really interested to see what they come up with. Yeah. Well, I mean, if for nothing else, we're going to have to check this car accident out, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) To see what the hell happened. Absolutely. That's the big news for this week. If you want to discuss these stories or anything you think we missed, hit us up at the THN forums where the dead aren't just restless. They come back, they tap dance, they kiss us on the mouth, they freak out, and they write all kinds of nasty about this show. Jerks. The oh, dead know. are jerks. Yeah. You know kids with Every Friday, the recently deceased Joe Patrick posts the question of the week in our THN web forum, which you can find by clicking the link at TwoHeadedNerd.com. Joe, what are we asking the listeners this week? This week's question, what is your favorite intercompany crossover of all time? Oh, boy. Now, this could mean a crossover between two truly different publishers, such as... For example, Punisher meets Archie. Sure. Or a crossover between two creator-owned properties that exist separately from one another, even though they happen to be published by the same company, like Chew and Revival. Okay. You can call us and leave us a message with your answer using Skype. I don't know why we always lead off with Skype. Don't use it. I'm saying, don't use Skype. It doesn't work. Unless you're from across the pond and you don't have a choice. Look, guys, I'm sorry. I want you to call. You can record an MP3. You can do that. That's free. You can do that. Chris the British guy did it. We loved it. Record an MP3. Keep it concise. Three minutes or less. Email it to us at twoheadednerd at gmail.com. Or you can call the Ziggurat hotline, 402-819-4894. Again, keep it under three minutes. You will get cut off. It's happened to the best of you. It's true. Share the air, suckers. If three minutes just isn't enough for you... Head to the forums, write your full answer, write a novel for all we care. Sure. I'll read it. Write some fan fiction. Uh, sure. Yeah. Write some fan fiction. Do it at Nerd Fanfic. I'm going to start that forum. Nope, don't do that. Yeah, it's going to get gnarly. Don't do that. I'm going to throw it right next to my Three Ninjas fan fiction. (laughs) And now it's review time on THN, where Joe and I either award two of this week's comics gold medals or send them packing based on an extremely subjective scale that might make sense for a beauty pageant, but doesn't make a damn lick of sense here. Joe, what'd you review this week? This week, I reviewed She-Hulk number one from Marvel Comics, written by Charles Soule with art by Javier Polito and colors by Munza Vicente. Munster. Who I have <laughs> discovered through internet is a lady. Oh, 
Yeah. Oh, really? Munza Vicente. <laughs> okay. It's yeah. not Munster. It's like, not Munster, like, no. Like Eddie Munster. Right. <laughs> Here's the solicit. Jennifer Walters is the She-Hulk. That was good. I liked the dramatic pause. Thank you. A stalwart Avenger, valued member of the FF, savior of the world on more than one occasion. True. She's also a killer attorney with a pile of degrees and professional respect. A seven-foot-tall drink of cool emerald water. Which you probably shouldn't drink if it's Emerald. Yeah. She's tough enough to knock out Galactus with one punch, possibly, <laughs> and has a heart bigger than the moon. But juggling cases and kicking bad guy butt is starting to be a little more complicated than she anticipated. With a new practice, a new paralegal, and a mounting number of supervillains she's racking up as personal enemies, She Hulk might have bitten off a little more than she can chew. But hey. She just calls that Tuesday. Bad Guy Butt is the name of my forthcoming autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's the title of this week's episode. Bad Guy Butt, the story THN, of Matt Bob. THN 150, Bad Guy Butt. <laughs> Jen Walters thinks she has it pretty good. She's a successful attorney and one of the world's most beloved superheroes. So when her life and career take an unexpected turn, She-Hulk finds herself in court against one of her closest allies. Oh, damn. Trauma. Dan Slott's run on She-Hulk is one of the best superhero comedies ever. So, any new take on the character has huge shoes to fill. Luckily, Charles Soule and Javier Polito are able to dial in on what makes Jen a unique and valuable character in the Marvel Universe. Soule, who is an attorney by day, is able to add a sense of authenticity to all of the legal jargon, but it never feels dry. He's got a grasp, a great grasp, on Jen's personality, and in one beautiful montage page, Soul and Polito are able to tell readers everything they need to know about the character. Now, I read some complaints that the story feels unbalanced with regard to her superhero life. What? But I completely disagree. This, this is exactly what I want in a She-Hulk comic. If I want to read a story about She-Hulk punching supervillains, I'll read FF or Avengers. Or the Hulk. Or the Hulk. You know, I mean, really. The art by Javier Polito is, of course, phenomenal. Paired with the mostly flat but subtly deep colors of Munza Vicente, Polito creates a visually dynamic look for the book, which is a nice feat considering it's mostly court scenes and talking heads. Polito's layouts are inventive and exciting, and he's got a keen sense of pacing. I had high hopes for She-Hulk number one. It absolutely delivered. I'm giving this one a strong buy it. I totally agree. I had super high hopes for this because I love... Objection! I love Jen Walters so much. I concur. I love Jen Walters so much. I was violently angry when the stupid red She-Hulk became Marvel She-Hulk for a while there. And we just never heard from the regular She-Hulk again. Just shoved her to the back burner for that dumb character with fingerless gloves on. I am so happy (laughs) that She-Hulk is back. And a talented artist like Javier Polito is behind this book. Charles Soule really been impressing me lately. Yeah. The only thing that upsets me about this book, the only thing, is I'm afraid it's going to go away. Because sure. Because people don't buy She-Hulk books. Well, okay, now... Well, this is where I'm going. So, if you love this book, tell your friends to buy it. Tell your retailer that you want it. Yes, Put it on your pull list. Tell your friends to put it on their pull list. Spread the damn word. Now, I will say, as, as speaking in my capacity as manager of Legend Comics and Coffee, we sold more copies of She-Hulk number one than we have of any single issue of She-Hulk ever published. Good. <laughs> so, uh, except for maybe Secret Wars number or uh, She-Hulk number eight when it was a Civil War time. Well, and it's not hard to sell number yeah. one issues. It's hard to maintain that momentum when it gets to right. issue seven. Right, but this is a book that you need to support monthly. Don't wait for the trade. Agreed. Buy it digitally if you must. That works too. Sure. Be- uh, like when She-Hulk was around before, they didn't have digital comics. So buy it any way you can. Tell your retailer you want it so that the retailer knows to order it. Yes. Because if they don't know you want it, they'll order conservatively, and then the book will get canceled. It will go away. That's how it works, people. Matt Bomb, what did you review this week? This week, I reviewed Turok, Dinosaur Hunter. from. Dino- Written by Greg Pak with art by Mirko Kolak, 
who sounds like he might be a Klingon. This is probably the fifth time we've seen Turok and the Gold Key characters relaunched. The last was not long ago over at Dark Horse, and calling that relaunch forgettable would be a compliment. Here... Has called in the big guns with Planet Hulk writer Greg Pak, who also wrote some of my favorite Hercules stories, and up-and-coming artist Mirko Kolak. The two have been tasked with making an Indian that fights dinosaurs that most nerds my age remember more from the Nintendo 64 game than comic books an interesting character, and it's no small task. I like the idea of Turok, but I admit, aside from reading... A couple few of the Valiant Turoks back in the 90s. I really don't have a strong connection to the character. Pack and Kolak do a good job reintroducing us to a young orphaned Turok this time who's treated like an outsider by his tribe. They call him Witch Boy, presumably because his parents were into something. Yeah, or they think he's some sort of... Are they... He's up to no good. They, they, I think, well, they sort of allude to the fact that his parents were disgraced and he has to pay off their debt to the tribe to stay within the tribe's right. protection. So they were doing something. We don't know yet. We don't get a lot of insight into the parents' death, but there is a mystery there and it's interesting. And we know that Turok kind of prefers his outsider status, but understands he has to stick with the tribe for his own safety as well. Of course, after a brief encounter with some other young members of his tribe that doesn't go well, dinos show up, and another more familiar enemy, one that I'm not sure has been part of the Turok mythos before, Whitey. Kolak does an excellent job here with his thick, scratchy blacks that flesh out the wooded backgrounds and obviously did his homework on Native American garb. Colorist Lauren Affey does a really nice job also adding the shading techniques that really add to the wild feel of the story, giving everyone, making everyone shaded by the large trees and plants around them. This book did not blow me away. And some of the dialogue came off a little tonto. But it is a very solid restart for Turok. To be honest, I think I might have been a little more interested had Turok and the rest of the Gold Key Gang returned in the pages of Valiant. Sure. But I guess then we wouldn't have 15 variant covers to choose from now, would we? <laughs> that said, I can only give this a skim it. At first, I said to myself, you know what? This is a buy it. I'm interested. You made me care about Turok a little bit. But in revisiting it, it's not bad. It's just... No, it's not bad at all. It's a solid start for this character, and that's okay. And that's why I'm giving it a skim it, which is not a bad right. thing. Right. Do you, do you need it? Is this the issue of Turok that you have to read? I can't say that. Sure. I agree completely. A skim it is not a bad grade. And that's something that I think gets lost yeah. over time. We give a lot of skim it's to books where we say, ah, it wasn't totally terrible, skim it. Right, right. Which sounds like a negative review. It's, it's nebulous at best. But a skim it also applies to a book that was well done, but I just don't care. And the nebulous nature of our rating systems has come to be expected by our listeners. That's right. <laughs> so I read this. It is well done. I love the art. It was the, really The art pretty. by Mirko Kolak is very, very good. Very pretty. The coloring really is very good as well. I like Greg Pak. I didn't find anything at all troubling about the script. No. And when Matt says that Whitey shows up, it's not in a way that you expect. It's like, no, that's not right. Right. <laughs> And so it's definitely an interesting take on the character. I just have zero interest in the character. Okay. I have no affinity for Turok. I've never even played the games. Okay. The game was great. Sure. 64 I, game was a lot of fun. They, I, got a, they got pretty far away from Turok. In the game, <laughs> right. But, you know. So I've never read any Turok comics before this one. Never seen him in any other media. This is well done. I just don't know that I care. I'll read the second one. Okay. Had they dropped him in the Valiant U, would you be more apt to care, do you think? Maybe, but you know what? I was always under the impression that Turok took place in present day. It doesn't. No. It's sort of a... Well, I don't want to... It's in the past. Well, I don't... Well, like, they dated. It's in, like, the 1600s. Yeah, something. but I don't want to spoil anything. You know, for... There's definitely some time stuff going on here. Well, yes. Obviously, there's some weird... Right. There are things that... There are elements that don't belong, but this is definitely a period piece. Yeah, but Turok was always kind of trapped in this sort of time I Turok, sort of... I think the Turok from the video games is set in the present day. That one is, yeah. Because it was based on the first Acclaim revival. Yes. Uh, the first Valiant revival that was published by Acclaim. Yes. Like I said, it's well done. 
I'm just not super interested in it. Okay. I'm going to give it a couple more issues to you- see if it catches my attention a little bit more. For now, though, it's a skim it. Joe Patrick, not interested in Native Americans. You heard it here first. That's not what I said. So that is a buy it. Some of my best friends are Native Americans. <laughs> I've had sex with a ton of Native Americans. I can't be racist. <laughs> so that is a double buy it for She-Hulk number one and a double positive skim it for Turok Dinosaur Hunter number one. Of course. Three and a half. Yeah. Three and a half stars. Sure. How about that? Oh, we're not doing numbers now. I thought we had fought that. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're not doing that. Good God, man. You're undermining the whole system. Of course, we want to know what you giant ladies and Indian feather, not Indian dots, thought of these comics. Wow. So, tie, wow. <laughs> so tie your opinions to an arrow and shoot them into our virtual butts over at the This Week's Comic section of the THN forums, which you can find by clicking the forum button at twoheadednerd.com. I decided the end of that is always going to have something happening to our butts. Okay, great. So there you go. Yeah, good. can get creative. After watching Bode Miller blow it on the slopes at Sochi last week. He wouldn't even call it by his real name. Matt like and I were so furious, we decided to jump into the THN Fantastic Car. You're above, Bode! Cruise past the local war zones and human rights violations to show this pleasantly unshaven American loser how it's done. He is good looking. I'll give him that. I mean, he's not a loser because he's a bad person. He's just, he, he lost. Yeah, he just lost. He's a loser because he lost. So <laughs> There's no room for second place in the ziggurat, okay? So join us now. Our podium only has one step. <laughs> That's right. So join us now as we strap on our helmets for our record-breaking Super G run while reviewing 14 of this week's and last week's new comics during the gold medal winning Ludicrous Speed Round. Ludicrous Speed! Go! The Bunker, number one from Oni. <laughs> this book is called The Bunker. <laughs> it's just funny to say Bunker. <laughs> Joshua Hale, Fieldkov, and Joe Infranari's digital comic comes to print courtesy of Oni Press. I love the premise. A group of friends find a sort of reverse time capsule spelling out their roles in an inevitable apocalypse. The problem is, I found every single one of the characters completely unlikable. On the strength of the premise and the great art by Infranari, I'm willing to give this a little more time to win me over. Just like Turok. Sure. Skim it. Okay. The Devil's Hopyard, number one from Arden. Arden. There's two R's in there. This is the story of a generic hard-hitting cop that's not afraid to break a few rules to get an arrest, especially when he's after a supervillain, even if it means drinking booze and snorting cocaine. I'm not sure what city this takes place in. I can tell you that the Devil's Hopyard is the neighborhood, and it's inexplicably named after a state park in Connecticut. Well, I don't know. Dialogue here was cheesy at best. The main character is an unlikable cop caricature that you've seen a thousand times, and the artist wants desperately to be Ashley Wood, but gets so lost in his spastic art that I couldn't even tell what was happening in some panels. Leave it. Batman, number 28 from DC. Scott Snyder's taking a break from zero year for this sneak peek at Batman Eternal. Whether he likes it or not. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds fun on paper, but the result is an out-of-context story that feels a little disjointed. I'm normally a big fan of Dustin Nguyen, but... He must have spent too much time drawing Lil Gotham. Oh, really? Because a lot of his figures look squat and stunted. There's a huge spoiler on the last page that made me smile. And I do like flash-forward stories generally, so it wasn't a total loss. Yeah, skim it. You want to get everybody excited about this? Give it away for free and give us our regular Batman Zero Year story in Batman number 28. Hey, listen. Call it Batman Eternal Zero and give it away for free. Insect Bath number one from Fanagraphics. This is a self-described nihilist cosmic horror anthology by several indie darlings, including Max Klotfelter, who writes the best Henry Rollins and Glenn Danzig gay fan fiction in print. I love that book. A comic book called Henry and Glenn Forever. And Eamon Espy of Worm Die fame. I really liked Worm Die. Super weird stuff, along with several more. Like all anthologies, some of this is great, some not so much, but it was a lot of fun, and there seemed to be a reoccurring general mutilation theme. Bonus. Buy it. That's a bonus. <laughs> That's a buy it right there. <laughs> Royals, Masters of War, from DC, but secretly from Vertigo. It's not secretly from Vertigo, it's from Vertigo. None of us knew this was a Vertigo book until it was in Listen, our hands. I know. Downton Abbey, plus Saving Private Ryan, plus Superpowers, 
in an odd little series, like Matt said. I remember it being solicited. Thought it was inexplicably coming out from DC proper. I don't know if DC. It's got Vertigo slapped on the cover. I don't know if DC knows this is a Vertigo. Right. I'm glad to say, though, that despite the confusion, this was really a lot of fun. I was expecting nothing, but got a really fun story with great art. I'm giving it a buy it. Cool. Rob Williams is good. I like it. I liked it. The Mercenary C number one from Image. Several Image number ones seem to sell out instantly for reasons unexplained. This one did not and probably should have. This is the story of a group of expat soldiers and spies turned treasure hunters in the South China Sea, circa 1938. Excellent art by Matthew Reynolds that reminded me of what I used to love about Kyle Baker before he went completely insane. And very solid dialogue here by Kel Simons. This is fun in the vein of the Indiana Jones, and you should buy it. Miss Marvel, number one from Marvel. Ms. Marvel number one was an amazing comic book perfectly executed by writer G. Willow Wilson and fan favorite artist Adrian Alfona. What could have been cloying and heavy-handed ended up being a lovingly crafted, visually stunning tale of a young girl that just wants to fit in to the world around her. Plus, like Aaron Myers said, it probably is the best use of the inhumanity concept so far. Okay. Don't miss out. It was wonderful. Huge buy it for me. Yeah, I liked it too. City in the Mind of the Machine, number one from IDW. Eric Garcia is the writer of the Repossession Mambo, which became the forgettable 2010 sci-fi flick starring Forrest Whitaker and Jude Law called Repo Men, where they repossessed organs from deadbeat transplant patients. Here, we get the story of two scientists that created massive automated system of cameras and AI that watches every corner of San Francisco, but only one of them can supply the one thing it lacks, human intuition. I kind of like Garcia. He reminds me of a modern-day Philip K. Dick writing some very highbrow, near-future sci-fi stuff. There's really solid art here. This was a fun book. Buy it. Loki, Agent of Asgard, number one from Marvel. It may seem like it's tailor-made for the Tumblr generation, and it is, but Loki, Agent of Asgard is a smartly written, beautifully drawn story featuring the quote-unquote villain that's been on his most interesting character arc in decades. Loki is an agent of good in the service of the All-Mother, but who really believes that? Excellent work by Al Ewing and Lee Garbett. Buy it. Yeah, I loved it. It was fun. Very good. X-Force, number one from Marvel. Didn't we already have two of these? Uh, like in the last year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Writer Cy Spurrier takes over the adjective lifts X-Force with really weird art by Rocky Kim. Rocky Kim gave us those kick-ass Age of Ultron variants. Yeah, they were Where we cool. saw Ultron getting, like, looking cooler and cooler and cooler with every episode. Here, he kind of makes this look like a weird, hyper-detailed Japanese video game comic. I like how Spurrier writes Cable, but I really don't care for the addition of Mero to the team. And why the f*** does Mero say baby all the time? <laughs> it's like she's doing a really bad Sinatra impersonation. Shut up, baby! <laughs> totally. And I didn't care for her when she had her powers. I care for her even less now that she doesn't have any. There's so many better mutants that could have been here, like f***ing Domino. I love Domino. Why wasn't Domino in this Why book? Why is Domino not in this book? But it's not a bad read. It's just got really weird art. I'm going to say skip it. Fuse, number one from Image. Wasteland creators Anthony Johnston and Justin Greenwood offer up a murder mystery set 22,000 miles above the earth. I love the premise, and aside from a few hiccups in the art, I really like this first issue, and I'm on board for more. Buy it. Specifically, like, there's a character in here. Couldn't tell if it was a male or a female. What? Not that I not that I need, like, busty females running around, but, right. like, one of the main characters is an old female police detective. Okay. Swear to God, I could not tell it was a lady. Oh. Punisher, number one from Marvel. Image darlings Nathan Edmondson and artist Mitch Garads get their shot at Frank Castle, and it's really solid. It's not mind-blowing, and it's not a new wacky take on the Punisher. Just the Punisher as we've come to expect him, and I'm fine with that. Unfortunately, I'm hesitant to climb on board after three canceled-slash-relaunched fantastic Punisher series in the last five years. I don't necessarily think it's good that we get another Punisher number one quarterly, almost. <laughs> right. This is good Punisher for Punisher fans. If you are a Punisher fan, buy it. Apocalypse Al, number one from Image. I thought it was Apocalypse AI. 
I did too because lowercase L was like. Uh, oh, that's not why I. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> <laughs> J. Michael Straczynski is back with another title under the Joe's Comics umbrella. This time, a quote comedy noir supernatural detective story. I like the genre mashup. Okay. And there were some moments that made me chuckle. But the book touts a quote unquote strong female character, and it even goes so far as to say so in the back matter. Yeah. And then it spends half the issue making a runaround in her sexy undies. Well, isn't that what girls want? Strong, yeah. sexy, underwear clad <laughs> right. female characters, right? I mean, like I was into I was into her personality. She's tough, you know, she was taught by her dad to do all this stuff. She's not a super girly girl. And then it's like the second she gets home. Skimpy panties in the negligee, yeah, and that's straight, the outfit she wears. Straight to dynamite territory. Right. But I enjoyed it. It's kind of hit and miss, though. I'm giving it a skin. Robocop. Hominem ex machina. One shot from Boom. Latin words. This is exactly what you'd guess it is, but this time Robocop is black and not particularly well drawn. And when I say black, I mean his armor's black. You mean it's movie Robocop. It's new movie Robocop. Writer Michael Morrissey portrays Robocop as more of a Judge Dredd. He's always scowling and kind of a total jerk to all the citizens around him. I didn't hate this, but there wasn't much to love either, and it certainly didn't make me any more excited for the new movie. I feel sorry for this artist because he's not bad, but he should not be drawing this type of book. It just did not work. Leave it. That's your ludicrous speed round and is the sound that the Chinese rage monster with exploding fists, who looks like Sodom from Final Fight, that's getting decked by Cable, makes... That is a terrible sentence. You like it? As seen on the first page of X-Force number one. That was the... Uh, you know what? I just described that scene to a T. <laughs> okay. I feel like I was there. <laughs> it was weird. Ooh. After a brutal wipeout during the ludicrous speed round that sent us tumbling down the mountain like a two-headed ragdoll... Which those pricks at the CBC had to replay over and over again. We're retiring the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where the night nurse is rubbing tiger balm into our sore and bruised tuchus, while we discuss two of next week's comics we are looking forward to. Joe Patrick, ugh. what are you reading next week? My tuchus. Hey, oh, my aching tuchus. <laughs> my pick for next week is... Of course. New Warriors number one from Marvel Comics. Written by Christopher Yost with art by Marcus Toe. Here's your solicit. Warriors Reborn! <laughs> Adventurers Speedball! And Justice! <laughs> this is going to get real tiring. Yeah. I'm going to start at the end of that. No, it's not. Oh my God. Do the job. Have come together with a group of young heroes including Nova, Sun Girl, and Hummingbird! <laughs> And even a couple of new faces. Wait, Sun Girl and Hummingbird aren't new faces? <laughs> to stop the latest threat to the Marvel Universe, the Atlanteans, Inhumans, clones, and hundreds of other so-called superior beings are living among the humans of the Marvel Universe. But not everyone is pleased about it. The High Evolutionary has raised an army to combat the evolution of humanity and the new warriors are locked in his sights. I love the High Evolutionary. Me too. Love him. Sun Girl has appeared before, and so has, I believe, Hummingbird. I remember the blurb about the first appearance of the new Sun Girl. Right. And I remember you and actually, I... We actually looked it up. Yeah, you and I looking at each other and going, who the hell is the old Sun Girl? Right. Uh, Hummingbird, I believe, is a character that was appearing in Scarlet Spider. Matt, what are you <laughs> reading next week? Next week, I'm going to read Undertow, number one, written by Steve Orlando, who sounds like a crooner in a Vegas bar. And art by Artyom Trakhanov, who sounds like a bad guy from a James Bond movie. <laughs> Here's your solicit. Atlantis is the world's superpower. And Redum and Shargal Come on! is its worst enemy. <laughs> if you want to break free of the system, he can offer you a place at his side. Exploring the wild surface world in his watertight city barge, the Deliverer. He and his hostage protege... Uh, <laughs> Akinu Alal Hunt the Amphibian A legend that could be the key to an air-breathing life on land But as they become hunted Can 
and Shargle's team <laughs> survive long enough to turn the tables on the godlike beast they set out for. A brand new pulp monster adventure with Ray Harryhausen at its heart and a look at Atlantis like never before. With a solicit like that, how do I not pick this? No, I like <laughs> to tell you the truth, Art Yum Tarkanov is very talented and I like his art a lot. This story sounds pretty wacky. But it could be a good time. I don't know Steve Orlando. I've never read any. I never read any mystery in space that he worked on, which was just an anthology from Vertigo. Yeah. So he only had one of those stories. But this sounds wild and crazy, and maybe a good time. I'm gonna read it. The THN trade of the week is Journey into Mystery by Kieran Gillen, The Complete Collection, Volume One from Marvel. That's a lot of colons and semicolons. Heck yes. Here's your solicit. Loki has been reborn as a child, but will he be Asgard's savior? Spoiler alert, yeah. Fear itself looms, and the serpent threatens Earth. The mortal's only hope is that Thor can fulfill an ancient prophecy, but the plan is doomed to fail. Without help from young Loki, the former Lord of Lies' only chance of success is to use all the skills of deceit that made him so hated in a past life. But will the reborn godling find redemption or damn himself further? This was the best Loki story I've ever read. It was so much fun, and if you like Loki in the Thor movies, you will love this. It was so much fun. Yeah. Cleverly written, touches on all the Norse mythology. We see Loki with a girlfriend. It's cute. He has a dog that just wants to rip everybody's head off. (laughs) It's a puppy dog. (laughs) It was so much fun. You guys, you missed out on this one, and it's too bad because the series didn't get to stick around long enough. Pick this up. You will love it. As always, we want to know what you're looking forward to reading next week. So when you're done laughing at the instant replay that was our Olympic nightmare, let us know over at the THN forums. That's what we get for trying to show up Bode Miller. (laughs) That asshole. Since we took last week off, and this is our value-added giant-sized third birthday show, we're giving one lucky listener a chance to pick our brains while we play Ask a Nerd, and it seemed only right for us to summon the king of Ask a Nerd himself, Mr. Aaron Myers, for a big birthday Ask a Nerd question. Take it away, Myers, you smooth son of a bitch. Hey guys, it's THN love slave Aaron Myers calling in with a Ask a Nerd question for you guys. First, I want to congratulate you on 150 awesome episodes, and here's to 150,000 more. Anyway, I think we've asked a ton of questions over the last 150 episodes, um, and they've all been really good, so it's been kind of hard to come up with something new, fresh, and original, so I probably didn't, but it's been something I've been thinking about the last week, and um, I wanted to get your opinion on it. So, my question for you is, what makes a comic book shop a good place to go and buy comics. Like, what I mean by that is, what do you want to see from a comic book shop? Or since Joe works at one, what does he strive to show people at the shop? If that makes sense. Like, what is the ideal comic book shop experience? So, um, I want to hear your take on that. Sorry I couldn't come up with something more comics related, but I also have one more question. Doomsday or Thanos? Which is the better villain? All right, guys. Talk to you later. Bye. I need to know if this dude has a karaoke machine right next to his computer or what is going on. <laughs> like, Are you a secret karaoke DJ, Myers? <laughs> He's ready to go at the drop of a hat. These are both fun questions. So let's do the long one first. Yeah, okay. What makes a good comic shop, Joe Patrick? The number one thing that makes a good comic shop is a staff that is inviting, welcoming Pleasant, patient. Yes. And honest. Yes. I could not agree more with that statement. Number one, you have to have the staff. And not every comic shop has a huge staff. Some are small businesses run by one or two people. Right. And one person can be that guy but or girl. For your shop to be great, you and your staff, if you have one, have to be all those things. You have to be knowledgeable. You have to be welcoming to people that don't know everything you know about comic books. And you have to be excited about the crap that they read. You have to, yes, you have to be happy to be there, to be able to put books in people's hands. Showered. (laughs) Sure, that helps. (laughs) Preferably. You need to be able to talk to somebody who has tastes that are wildly different than your own without sounding like a condescending ass. Yes. And it might sound like the hardest thing in the world, but let me tell you, it's probably the easiest. 
to be enthusiastic about comics, to be happy, to be able to recommend things to people, to be able to say, you know what? I don't read Crossed, or I don't read My Little Pony. Or I don't read Grim Fairy Tales. But to be able to say that, you know, it's not my cup of tea, but I have it, here you go, or I'm happy to order it for you. These are the things that you need to be. That's number one. Yes. Number two is of much less importance, still important. Your shop, at the very least, has to be clean and organized. Yes. It should make sense. Well lit. Yes. It doesn't have to be flashy. It doesn't have to be laid out or designed by some lunatic architect. It, it just needs to be... It's great if it is. It's great if it's inventive and fun. Sure. And all of that stuff. But the bottom line is it needs to be clean, well-lit, and organized. It needs to make sense. Yes. You need to be able to have people come in and find stuff without asking you. Yes. And it needs to be intuitive for those people that might not know as many facts about comics as everyone else absolutely you need to for example something that we do at legend and this might seem like a small thing but we've made the choice rather than filing everything alphabetical like straight alphabetical amazing spider-man under a action comics under a detective comics under d we group the families together so all the superman books are in one place under s all the spider-man books are in one place under s we always used to say when we worked at the previous shop, we always used to say, no one's ever going to come in and say, hey, do you have that new amazing comic book? But they will say, do you have that new Spider-Man book? <laughs> hey, yeah, you know? the, the main reason is comic book fans are going to understand why you've put Detective Comics under B. Right. Grandmothers are not going to understand why you have put Batman comics under D. 90% of them, though, are going to buy a gift certificate anyway. You want it to be easy for people to find the things that they're looking for. Sure. Absolutely needs to be clean. It can't be a dungeon. Those days are done. Yes. And those stores will die. Yeah. And not to mention the fact that readership has gone down for years and years and years. So if you want to scare off more people and get rid of more comic readers, by all means, open a locker room with a bunch of stinky nerds in a dark place where everyone has secrets as to where stuff is supposed to be. And it's completely (laughs) impenetrable for new people to come in and find anything or talk to anyone. Right. Then we'll get rid of all the comic readers. Right. Now, the jury's out on that readership going up or down thing. I'm hearing things that it's going up. Now, it was way, way down. Yeah, it has slightly been going up. And it's we've been crawling our way back. And that's because of good stores that's that That's because care. of hardworking retailers that do exactly what you're talking about. And it's absolutely not because of the efforts of the people featured in that comic strip that I'm sure... Aaron is referencing Noelle Stevenson being not only a female comic fan, but a professional comic artist going into a comic store to buy the book that she drew and being dismissed. Oh, this was the comic book men thing. Uh, Yeah. A a lot of it got attributed to comic book men, even though she was not in the comic. She was not referencing uh, the the secret stash uh, shop in particular. So it can't be, you can't be a store like that in this day and age. No. I am happy to, to see an upsurge of female readers, of yeah, young readers. Absolutely. Of people of all stripes that aren't just reading Batman or Spider-Man. They are reading Lock and Key right. or Optic Nerve when it comes out or right. God help us all if another issue of 8-Ball ever comes yeah, out. Peter Bag's Hate, stuff yeah. like that. You know, These are things that people are still finding new today. They're discovering them new for the first time. Right. So that readership is still there. It's just that they've been scared to go into places that they perceive right. as dungeons. As stinky nerd clubs. I couldn't put it any better than that. That's I will the say end of it. there's one idiom that I carry around when it comes to comic shops, and people say, what kind of a comic shop do you like to go to, Matt? And I say, I like to go to the kind of comic shop that you're not afraid to bring your girlfriend to. Right. You know, and I, that might sound kind of sexist, you know, but in bringing my girlfriends that I have dated, you know, and continue to date when I'm not with my wife (laughs) to other comic book stores, I got them interested in books that they wanted to read because they weren't afraid of where they were. It wasn't a mystery. People treated them like people, put good stuff in their hands, didn't sell them crap, and didn't overcharge them for stuff that we're trying to get in people's hands. I'm not saying you shouldn't make money. By all means, make money. Yeah, yeah. But there's it's a, a collectibles business. There's a good way to put a fair price on a collectible. Right. 
Now, Doomsday or Thanos? Don't be dumb. It's Thanos. Absolutely. I don't, Why is that even a question? There's no even discussion here. Doomsday was a dumb character. Sorry. I, I like I like Doomsday. I do not like Doomsday. I, I like, you know, I had a nice long conversation with Camarillo Brillo on Twitter the other day about Doomsday. We shared some love for the character and for the death of Superman and Meh. all that stuff. Meh. I liked him back then. I am absolutely not interested in whatever, like, they've gone out of their way to not admit that the death of Superman never happened. Right. But we all know it never happened. In the New 52, it never happened. No. Even though they're like, wink, wink, maybe, who knows? Ah. Yeah. I am not at all interested in Doomsday removed from that original context. I guess I'm even less interested in him removing <laughs> right, that context. So, but, I think he's a space armadillo with rocks instead of a shell, and he's got jail bars over his mouth, and that's dumb. <laughs> and he punched <laughs> Superman to death. That was the most creative way you could kill Superman. He hit him real hard. Yeah. Come on. Repeatedly. Dumb. <laughs> Listen. Hate him. Thanos. Thanos is the better villain. There's no doubt about it. I don't know anyone that would say otherwise. Case closed. Great question, Aaron. Remember to catch his show, Comics Therapy, weekly on an internet near you. If you have an Ask a Nerd question for the Two-Headed Nerd, post it in the forum of the same name over at the THN forums, or call us and leave us a message at the Ziggurat Direct Line, 402-819-4894, or email us an MP3, baby, and you could be the star of the next Ask a Nerd segment. It's exciting. It's very damn exciting. All right, stop what you're doing, cause I'm about to ruin the image of a nerd that you're used to. I look chunky, but I'm a comic junkie, see? So world, I hope you're ready for me. Now gather round, I'm not a fanboy teen, and my sound's laid down by Mr. Bombstein. I drink up all the Malibu you got on your shelf, so just let me introduce myself. My name is Daisy, pronounced with an anti. Yo, super ladies, who wants to date me? And all the heroes in the top ten, please allow me to bump thee. I'm stepping fat, y'all. And just like poison ivy, you're gonna fall when the internet's pump me. I like to rhyme, I like my heroes funky, I'm spunky. I like my speedball jumpy, I'm sick with this. Straight David Mack. But sometimes I get ridiculous, I'll snatch all your super ladies' kisses. Hey, yo, Firestar, come here, are you ticklish? Yeah, you call me fat. Look at you, you're a mutie. They never stop me from getting busy, I'm a freak. I like hex girls with a boom. I once got busy in one of man's bathroom. I'm crazy. Allow me to amaze thee. They say I'm nerdy, but it just don't faze me. I'm still getting in mutants' pants. And I even got my own dance. Booyah, Kashar! The comic pushers are back, slinging highly addictive comic product to desperate comic junkies this time. A stained sweatpants wearing tweaker named Stinky Mike writes I used to be a huge comic book fan I bought and read some comics here and there but have not been a true fan in 15 years or so while I bought and read everything from Superman to Doom Patrol my favorites were Wolverine Punisher Thor Silver Surfer and Aliens vs. Predator I'm looking to get back into comics but are my favorites still good comics are there any new titles out there that you would recommend Joe that's a good question. That's a good question. Let's talk to Stinky Mike. All right. Stinky Mike, you're in luck. Reboots abound of all of these books. So let's address them in order. Wolverine. Eh. 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 It's not the best time for Wolverine right now. Wolverine just relaunched. It's not terrible. No, no, no. It's not. Wolverine just relaunched for reasons I could not explain because yeah. it follows directly after the end of the last arc. They relaunched it to give it a new number one. Sure, right. That's it. New artist, new story arc, new costume. A guy named Ryan Stegman's drawing story. it. The art looks very good. The story is fine, but I don't think it's the writer, Paul Cornell. I don't necessarily think it's his fault. I don't think it's a great Wolverine comic. Punisher just relaunched. It we did. talked about it this week. It it's did. good. It is good. Thor is amazing. Thor's, the Thor book is wonderful. I will go on record as saying Thor is better than it's ever been. I'm doing it. Yeah. I love it. Jason Aaron, Isad Ribic, Ron Garney. It's really good. Yeah. They just started a new storyline this week. I'm throwing down Mjolnir. Best it's ever been. Pick it up. There you go. Silver Surfer is getting a new number one. Real in quick In a couple of months time. Written by Dan Slott, who we love. Drawn by Mike Allred, who we also love. Yes. Definitely check that one out. You said you read, you know, Superman and Doom Patrol. 
Superman's going to have a new creative team pretty soon. Real Might be quick worth here. checking out. Sadly, the Doom Patrol does not have a title. They are nowhere to be found. I believe they've been referenced in the New 52, have but they? I don't know if they've appeared. Okay. Aliens versus Predator. Uh, this year's com or last year's, I should say, last year's San Diego Comic Con, yes. Dark Horse announced a revival of all of their Aliens Predator lines. What they're going to do is kind of reboot them story wise. And they're going to tie Aliens, Predator, and Prometheus together in the same shared universe. It's a great idea. They've got some great creators on board. This is going to be a great time for you to get back into Aliens versus Predators type stuff. I think that happens in April. Yes, it's coming soonish. April or May. I can't recall. So, yeah. I mean, you picked a really good time to get into <laughs> these particular titles. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> and, like, it's kind of... Uncanny, like the titles, all except for Doom Patrol, really. Yeah, but yeah, there's an excellent and you know just places because, to jump on. Just because we don't care for the Wolverine comic doesn't mean Wolverine is not used to good effect in other books. And also, the Wolverine comic, which is stress, is not bad. I would say it is not exceptional either. It's just yeah, I, I it's, right. It's fine. It's not blowing my socks off. No. Thanks for the question, Mike. And if you're huddled under a piece of wet cardboard in a stank-ass comic crack house looking for your next hit, you can post what you're looking for in a comic in our Comic Pushers section of the THN forums. Call us at the Ziggurat hotline, 402-819-4894, or send us an MP3 to editnerd at gmail.com, and we'll get you all messed up and on some serious comic smack. Sort of, sort of break it, break it down like this. And that is it for the third birthday celebration episode of Two Headed Nerd. If you look forward to three more years before one of us kills each other, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes or Stitcher, where we still desperately need your iTunes star ratings and reviews. Like we told you a couple weeks ago, we lost all of them and we had to reset our RSS. We've already received a bunch. Thank you so much to you guys that did it. Even you, four-star review guy, we still love you, too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to all of our donors and to our sustaining members who are too sexy for words. And if you'd like to help keep us in slinky Valentine's Superman underoos, you can make your donation in any amount using our three-year-old PayPal button at two-headed just a toddler while you're there you can find links to all our contact info via Twitter YouTube Facebook Skype and our direct ziggurat phone number which we love to say over and over and over again that number is 402-819-4894 tattoo it on your forehead backwards so when you look in the mirror you can see it forwards using this multitude of resources you can defend your questionable nerd tastes for our defender segment you can suggest titles for us to review in our take a look it's in a book segment or you can ask us to review your self-published comic, be it printed, digital, whatever. And don't forget to sign up for the THN forums, your little piece of the ziggurat where you can discuss this week's show, turn down our Valentine's wishes, or just rap about comics. Like I do. There you go. Remember to follow us on Twitter and like our Facebook page if you want to get in on the question of the week discussion. And if you want to hear, you know what? We've been saying that same line a long time. You should also go to the forums. That's where the question of the week is. These right on, days. right on. And if you want to hear our answers along with your own audio responses, be sure to check out the Two-Headed Nerd Answer of the Week podcast. If you already subscribe to this fully functioning iTunes feed. It's all better. You don't need to do anything. It will just appear in your feed whenever it posts. As if by magic. Next week, we'll be reviewing Michael Fifa's or Michael Fifa's or Michael Fifi's Copra during our Take a Look. It's in a book segment. If you want to read along, tough shit. these issues are damn near impossible to find. <laughs> if you have them, you can read along. I suppose. If you need more THN in your life, get over to TwoHeadedNerd.com and check out Cousin Chris's Comics on the Rocks, where he's reviewing Brown Liquor and The Fuse Number 1 this week. Plus, another exciting installment of The Credible Hulk's Saturday Morning Cartoons. And coming soon, a brand new installment of Nerd Fight. This time, pitting our very own me against the nerd might of Keith Silva. Ooh, two men enter, one nerd lead. Wow. Our weekly shout-out goes to all of you, without whom we wouldn't have come close to 150 episodes. Word to all of you, and know that our love does come cheap, starting with a very small donation of a paltry $5, which you can do at our website, 
TwoHeadedNerd.com using our PayPal button. We need your money. If you love us, please support us. Until next time, true believers. Remember to pre-order your comics, specifically She-Hulk. Your retailer just might kiss you on the mouth for it. This is the Two-Headed Nerd saying happy birthday to us. Yeah, happy birthday. And signing off. Thank you.